Support for WERU comes from Village Soup, the Republican Journal, providing the communities of Waldo, Knox, and Hancock counties with news, information, ideas, events, goods, and services on newsstands Thursdays and on the web at waldo.villagesoup.com. And you are tuned into Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill and 99.9 in Bangor. Stay tuned for Main Currents, which is coming up next right here. It's his time is just about 4 o'clock. And this is Main Currents, independent local news, views, and culture for Wednesday, September 21st, 2016. I'm Amy Brown. I'm once again joined today by our multi-partisan panel of area residents for a discussion of the upcoming elections. We'll also be talking about lying in politics. And we'll be opening the phone lines and inviting you to join the discussion as well. But first, let's have everyone introduce themselves. And I should mention that our Trump supporter, Dave Gulia, is not with us today. He got held up at work. We miss you, Dave. I'm glad that, to hear that you will most likely be back with us uh, next time with uh, work permitting. Let's start on this side because the next round of questions, we're going to start over there. So let's start with Renee with introductions. Okay. Hi, um, I'm Renee Trust. I, um, I am currently sitting here as a, a new libertarian, but I, I put together a little timeline here of how my political activism kind of evolved in case there are people out there who might relate to this. Um, in 2008, I was an unenrolled independent voter. I voted every election. Uh, I didn't pay very close attention to uh, politics uh, before that. I did. I remember voting for Ross Perot because he was, um, you know, I was hearing what he was saying, and he he wasn't uh, the norm. So that might have been an indicator early on. Um, in 2009, with the advent of the Tea Party movement, which I had no idea what it was, somebody invited me to the March on Washington, and I went just to document it as a photographer. And, um, and from my own curiosity. And, and it was quite an event. There were an awful lot of people there. Um, and I uh, started looking into it more. I mean, the Tea Party movement, they stand for uh, lower taxes and smaller, less intrusive government. And that really appealed to me. I found that very attractive. So I started going to more Tea Party events. And um, I uh, started paying really close attention, looking things up on the internet, paying attention to the structure of my government, sort of self-educating myself, because I just didn't know. Um, the other thing was I started watching TV, and, I mean, news channels and cable TV, so I was that person, and I'm, I'm kind of ashamed to admit it, but I was that person, that Fox News watcher, um, ranting at the TV, and that lasted. I've evolved since then. I'm, I'm sure you're all happy to hear that. But, um, <clears throat> but I relate to the people who are doing that now. I get them. I get the whole thing. And uh, so, at any rate, at um, 2010, I became a registered Republican um, in order to vote for Paul LePage. I, I'll never regret that decision to this day. I'm a Paul LePage supporter. I admire him an awful lot. And. Um, so I became very active uh, in uh, local politics. I joined my town committee and my county committee in 2012. I joined the Liberty Movement. Um, 
became a Ron Paul supporter, and I really found that attractive. That that was the most attractive thing to me yet with this whole thing. And um, politically speaking, uh, Ron Paul stands for the same principles that I believe in, and um, and I, I found that very, very attractive. But the GOP would have none of it. Um, I, I was elected to GOP state committee that year, along with a lot of libertarian Republicans. We had a majority in the state committee that year, and um, we had a real good thing going on, and um, and it crumbled when we got the uh, when the when the GOP picked the nominee, Mitt, Mitt Romney. A lot of us were a little bit, you know, a lot of them felt disenchanted and, and left. I stayed on. I stayed on. I, um, you know, I felt like there was work to be done. I became the vice chair of the county committee. I, um, you know, I worked hard for local candidates. I still work hard for local Republican candidates, even though in 2016 I became a registered libertarian in order to, for them to gain traction in the state um, and be an official, re officially recognized party. Today I'm supporting um, Gary Johnson, Bill Weld, who I like both of them um, very much for president. Um, um, because they have the principles that I admire, and um, and I feel like now I'm taking up too much time, so I'll pass. No, you're not. Uh, that's actually a really thorough inter introduction. You filled in a lot of things you haven't talked about. Yeah, before. well, because I always felt introductions are like, "Hi, I'm Renee." That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I was that's glad, a great glad to hear all Thank that. Thank you. Okay, and we want to also congratulate you on the birth oh, of yes. your grandbaby since the last time you were here. I've had a name change since the last show. My name is now Grammy. Yay. <laughs> I'm grandmother to Philip Patrick Forst the sixth, and uh, my daughter Jacqueline and my son-in-law Phil are very good parents. I'm very proud of them. Well, congratulations to the entire family. That's great. Yeah. Ken, do you want to go next? Okay, sure. Uh, Ken Gleason's my name. Um, I am uh, an enthusiastic, no hesitation, uh, Democratic supporter. Historically, however, I've been an independent for 20, 30 years. I don't know. And I thought that perhaps uh, to, to honor that, I should uh, start calling myself a Republican-leaning Democrat. Uh, no question that I'll be voting Democratic all, all the way this year. But, uh, but my independent, I mean, I've, I've had a problem with both uh, both extre the extremes of both parties. I sometimes call myself a raving moderate, and uh, and I was very pleased with uh, Bernie's performance. And uh, disappointed it didn't go further. And I certainly don't think Hillary is perfect, but I think she's by far the best option we have. Um, what happened? I've told you I got a TV and started watching. It hasn't been easy. Uh, and I and I did uh, I did notice that the different networks are all covering the same three or four stories every night, uh, which seemed a little dull, and uh, and that's a heck of a lot of advertisements on TV. Um, it it still takes effort for me to to do this. This isn't, but I'm doing it for this because <laughs> I'm trying to be responsible here. Um, what did I see politically? Um, the one thing I, I, I really resonated with was, uh, you know, all the, the news in recent days, of course, has been about the recent uh, bombings and stabbings and, and the violence. 
and everyone was interviewed. And, and the one little bit I picked up was Hillary's comment on how um, the Trump candidacy is really playing into the hands of the terrorists. She said this at the airport, uh, you know, right after the news was breaking, I think. Um, which is a concern I've had a great deal because there seemed to be a relatively small group of... Uh, of Ken, let's leave, let's yeah, leave the discussion too of the much, campaigns until too much. after we okay. do the introductions. Anyhow, I like that. And, uh, and the most exciting thing this week was the talk on Monday by a guy about lies in politics. And in we're going to be talking about that later as yes. well. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Uh, let's so pull that microphone over there. Is close. this just introductions? Or <coughs> yes, yes. Oh, okay. We're just going to do Hi, introductions, and we're going to start on this side of the table, and we're going to do sort of an update on campaigns and candidates. Fantastic. Well, Tim Wilson, I'm currently living in Belfast, uh, and will always be living probably in Belfast or that area. Um, uh, my background is I was a libertarian voter in the 80s, uh, voted for Perot and volunteered for him in both 92 and 96. Uh, and I've been mostly green since then, or independent. Uh, I actually ran as a write-in candidate in 2004, so I voted for myself. Uh, we walked, my wife uh, Amy and I walked from Massachusetts to Washington, D.C. to protest the war. And back in 2004, all we heard was, well, we have to unite. That you, All the progressives have got to get together behind John Kerry in a stronger America. Uh, so that uh, so that we can defeat George Bush, and of course uh, we lost and gained nothing, and and uh, really undermined the Green Party uh, at that point. Um, so I was a third degree burner. I am uh, my number one issue as a veteran is is peace um, and world peace, and and so it's very difficult uh, when I look at the major party candidates. I, I you know I for them and I see Tweedledee and Tweedledum for. You know, for you know Hillary, I just ask people name one conflict she's opposed, uh, because you know she is a war hawk. Uh, she, if you want anything in terms of uh, Palestinian justice, she's hugely strong Israel. I mean, she's Netanyahu basically. Um, so, uh, you know, it's it's impossible for me to support her. Are you uh, no longer calling yourself a third degree burner? Or you said. Oh you no, were I am. Third I, okay, I, I am do. a third degree okay. burner. Happy to give you a quick update on his uh, activities. Since. Yeah, we'll be doing that and, go round after and, we uh, So now, yes, I'm I'm working with the Greens because it's the one party that I think has a has an agenda that's pro peace. Great. Let's get that microphone over there. And we are once again, if you're just joining us, listeners, we are doing our multi-partisan roundtable. And when we do these, we pack more people into the studio than it was designed to hold. So hold. So we appreciate your patience as we move some microphones around. There's a little bit of extraneous noise here, but bear with us. It's what they say is definitely worth it. <laughs> Betsy Gerald, you're up oh, next. Oh, no so pressure the there, <laughs> Amy. Thanks. <laughs> My name's Betsy Gerald. I am a um, former Green legislative candidate, a former Green State Party co-chair. I am currently the New England Regional Director for the Stein Baraka campaign, which means that I'm running the ground campaign in um, this region. Um, we have made Delaware an honorary New England state for the purpose of this campaign. So it's all of the New England states plus Delaware. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what I've been doing. Yeah, in you a few kick minutes. that off and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do the go round in this opposite direction. Okay. So why don't you start with the update okay. on the campaign, the candidates? So Monday I arrived home after seven days on the road with Dr. Stein doing um, the northern New England portion of her campus 
campaign tour, um, which was amazing, just amazing. We had every every event. Se we seemed to be having more and more and more people. We did an event in Vermont, one in New Hampshire, two in Maine, and two in Massachusetts. And they, um, Dr. Stein is appealing so much to the millennial generation that uh, a reporter from NBC Universal came and followed us through two of our campaign stops to do a story about um, the problem that the other candidates are having with appealing to the millennials and, and how we have, once uh, Bernie endorsed Hillary, the fire hose of uh, volunteers kind of opened up at us and, and we have a lot of um, third-degree burners like Tim that are now working on the campaign and and what a bunch of great enthusiastic uh, folks they are and and Because we are a third party that has been around for 40 years We have the structure to to build easily uh, ramp up a campaign like that so when I hear folks talk about um, well, we need a third party. Well, building a third party is a lot of work, and you're not going to start it from scratch. It, you know, there are there are two third parties. The, the Green Party um, is is uh, as I said to the farmers at Farm Aid in the middle of this seven day tour. Um, we are here. We welcome farmers with open arms. We welcome um, any progressives with open arms that are looking for. Uh, a third way, um, and and we have the infrastructure to make it happen. So um, the one other thing that I think is really important to uh, announce is that the first corporate presidential debate is happening on Monday, and Dr. Stein will be there with thousands and thousands of supporters um, doing a counter-protest because, again, the third-party candidates are not being allowed into the debate that is controlled by the two corporate parties. And we are going, so we will be at Hofstra University in New York. Um, we are going to, there will be some civil disobedience. There will probably be some arrests. And, um, but we are going to make it loud and clear to everyone that this is not democracy when you do not allow um, a candidate who has the potential to win because she is going to be on enough ballots across the country that she could conceivably win the presidency and she's locked out of the presidential debates because the corporations and their media lackeys are keeping her out. And so that's the next big push now that we've wrapped up the, the uh, Northeastern Campus Tour, we will be ramping up for the Hofstra debates. And we hope that anyone that would like to join us uh, can be in touch with me, and we are uh, carpooling down to Hofstra from Maine. So let me know, Betsy at Jill2016.com. All right. And if you're just joining us, you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. This is our multi-partisan panel of local residents talking about the upcoming elections. And we're doing a go-round now of just updates on campaigns, and then we'll be opening the phone lines and starting a discussion of lying in politics. Tim Wilson, you're up next. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm giving an update quickly on the Bernie, uh, what he's been up to. Uh, he has been supporting some local candidates like uh, Zephyr Teachout in New York, and I just got word uh, just before the show that she's now up for 5% in her race. Um, that is good to see because he didn't, he wasn't there for Tim Canova when he, in his run against Debbie Wasserman Schultz. He, she, he stepped away from that campaign for some reason. Um, but uh, Bernie's been working also very hard for Hillary, and one thing that 
Uh, of course, the third degree burners are going, he's, he's calling us a protest vote because we've gone green. Well, uh, it's not really a protest vote. We're voting for something as, voting, as opposed to voting out of fear or voting against something. So that has not been overall received well uh, in, the, in the Bernie community. Um, but, or in the third degree burner community. The first degrees, I think, are fine. Yeah, remind people what that is. <laughs> oh, okay, well, uh, Bernie supporters came in essentially three varieties, and this comes from one of the, one of the, the representatives, the delegates to the convention. He said there's the first degree burners who uh, were very much for Bernie, but are perfectly happy to go over to Hillary at his request. They're following his lead and his, his thoughts. There's the second degree burners who were very strongly Bernie for one reason or another and are kind of on the fence, uh, going back and forth between third party, and can't really make, make up their minds. And there's the third degree Bernies that were, it wasn't really about Bernie. It was about a future to believe in and the issues he represented. And because he endorsed Hillary, who doesn't support those same issues, they've, we've switched over to the Greens. Um, Have any switched over to the Libertarians, to Gary Johnson? I think, yes. I, I think there are certainly some that see the Libertarians as a viable option. Some have gone to Trump as an anti-establishment. Not many. I mean, it's, uh, but it's, they see him as an anti-establishment candidate, and they see Hillary as the consummate establishment candidate. So they so they're doing an anti-establishment vote. Um, but it's, you know, it's been, you know, without clear leadership from Bernie, it's been a, well, what he's doing is not <laughs> what we call a revolution. Some of us don't consider it to be revolutionary to say, well, let's fold in and everybody vote inside the box. Because if everybody votes inside the box, I mean, politics, power comes from two places. They come comes from people and votes, and it comes from money. Well, for most of us, we're people and votes. We don't have tons of money to compete with the corporate lobbyists. So um, if our votes don't move outside, uh, the Republican and Democratic thing, you, you know, that, that's where the pressure will come from. You, you, it's very, as Jill uh, says, or Dr. Jill says in her speeches, she goes, you know, you cannot have a revolution inside a counter-revolutionary party. If you, if you cast your votes for the establishment candidate, you're inside the box and nothing will change. Uh, it doesn't show any shift in power. It shows that you can be cowed into voting for someone. But your vote is really a very precious thing. And if you, and none of us know whether we're going to be around in four years. So I encourage people to think about, if this is my last vote, how am I going to do it? What, what do I want to be where I stand? Not what everybody tells me about, but tells, to, tells me to do. But what is it that I really think and what is it that I stand for and vote for that? And whether that's libertarian, smaller government, lower taxes, whether it's, you know, anti-establishment, whether it's, uh, democratic values. I mean, the, the Democrats and Bernie make some really good points about there's a lot of places where he and Hillary agreed. Um, there are some very big ones where there are disagreements um, that's, that divided third degrees from the rest of the match. But, but uh, you know, it's, I think I would just encourage people to, number one, is go out and look at original sources, look at different sides. If you see something, somebody say something about someone, Go look at the actual tape. Go to C-SPAN. Go to YouTube. Do something. Uh, but um, go get the real facts for yourself. Don't let somebody else interpret the facts for you. And then make up your own mind on where you stand and vote for that. Uh, because it's the only way that you get a real representative look at where the American public stands. Thanks, Tim Wilson. All right, Ken Gleason, you are up next. Okay, thank you. Well, um, 
sorry I jumped in too early on uh, Hillary's statement about uh, about the Trump uh, rhetoric. Uh, That's really okay. Why don't you okay. start back over there in case yeah, anybody's just yeah, joining okay, us? Yeah, okay, sure. Uh, I was saying how I have turned the TV on, and as difficult as it is for me, I have been watching it a little bit. And one thing I caught was uh, Hillary's speech. Um, the big topic in the last few days was the terrorist violence in New York and Minneapolis, et cetera. She made a statement which uh, just really rang true to me, which was to say how the uh, a lot of the Trump rhetoric is just playing into the hands of the uh, of the jihadists of the very small group of militant Muslims that are causing a lot of problems. Of course, that's one of the powers of terrorism. One one or two individuals can get a lot of attention by not really doing. They don't have to do much, set off a bomb, and they get a lot of attention. Anyhow, uh, her her argument was how, you know, they're they're just they want they want uh, they want attack. You know, the G, the people running the terrorist movement would like uh, more criticism of Muslims in general, and they like more discrimination because that recruits people to their cause, and it and it proves their case that they're they're being uh, beat up on and uh, it it I think that's true and that concerns me a, a great deal um, another thing that concerns me a great deal is the is and and I uh, I guess I shouldn't I'm this isn't reporting on anything she said but uh, the, the Trump seemed to be thinking, talking like war, like war is the answer, and I think that's dead wrong. Um, so that's that was, and I was going to say something else. You know, I'm 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 I guess I'm a third degree. Uh, no, I'm a I'm a first degree burner. That's right. These terms, um, because uh, I would have much preferred Bernie, but. Number one, I've been very impressed with the way the Democratic Party did change their platform in many, many ways. To me, that was revolutionary. Um, I'm, I'm not so so much knee-jerk against the establishment, whatever it is, because I, I see them changing. And, uh, and my understanding of a protest vote is not that it's focused on negativity, but that it it's... It's a vote that, I mean, as much as I admire the candidates in, uh, for Jill Stein and, uh, and uh, Gary, Johnson. Gary Johnson and Bill Weld and their principles, I mean, we have a contest here, and, and I really believe this is a time to, uh, for people who have progressive values to join in. Not because uh, Hillary's position is perfect or she's perfect or, or anything. It's very imperfect. But um, we have a contest. And compared to what the Republican Party is offering, uh, any, any of my progressive values are going to be much better off with a, uh, in my opinion, could be much better off with uh, the Democratic win this year. And I hope it's a very strong one. 
Thanks. All right. Thank you. Again, you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. We're doing a, a roundtable. Our multipartisan panel is here with us. Renee Trust is going to go next. And after that, we're going to shift gears into a general discussion of lying in politics. It's related to uh, alternative radio on Monday morning. Ken will be filling us in on that. We'll also be opening the phone lines at that point and uh, making it more of a discussion format. Renee, did <clears throat> you want to talk about Gary Johnson? Did you have anything you want to say about Donald Trump to our yeah. Donald Trump supporter? Or Dave Gooley is not with us today. He's, uh, if you miss the top of the hour, he's stuck at work. So over to you, Renee. Yeah, I'm not sure what I'll say, but um, I will say that it's it's no secret that the Republicans are not progressive, and they're no progressive will find a place within the Republican Party, although some have. You know, as I say this, I realize there are progressives in the Republican Party, but in, in my mind, that is not in our platform at all. Um, uh, I don't really pay close attention, or I haven't, my pulse is not on national politics that much. I see what comes through on my Facebook news feed, and I cruise YouTube a little bit, but I cut the cord from the cable a few years ago now. So um, I'm not saying that, um, you know, I don't know what's going on. It's just that I feel like I can't even be effective on a national level. But I do keep my finger on the pulse of local politics and state politics where I feel like I can make a difference, and so can you. And what I'm seeing here in Maine with the Republican Party is a groundswell of support for their nominee, Mr. Trump. And I'm um, talking about, you know, political figures up and down. Um, we have a really uh, fantastic chair in Rick Bennett, and he's unified the party an awful lot. And um, they're, they're, uh, they're running, you know, uh, they're behind their candidate. That's what I see. But you're not shifting back to Trump. You're still behind Gary Johnson, right? No, I'm pretty, I'm pretty um, um, firm on my beliefs. <laughs> and, and that doesn't mean I don't believe in Republican values, because I certainly do. I mean, I was part of the platform committee. I guess I didn't put that in my credentials. Um, but I am, um, you know, and, and, and it lines right up with the, the libertarian values. I mean, I've always been a libertarian-ish Republican at any rate. Um, what appeals to me about Johnson Weld is that they're refreshingly honest. I mean, even in the interview where the uh, the little slip up about what a pillow, Aleppo. Aleppo. See, I don't even know what it is. Um, so it's a he didn't try to walk it back. He didn't try to say that he misspoke or anything like that. He just said, "I didn't know. I should have known." He he took responsibility for it, which is a libertarian value. Is um, so uh, you know. Rights and responsibilities, the dignity of each individual, um, hmm, that rights are not granted by government or society, that they're inherent. And uh, the burden of explanation should lie with those who take rights away, not with people who are defending rights. Uh, Weld in particular, I mean, both Johnson and Weld were very successful governors. They have executive experience, and um, Weld was uh, reelected with 71%, I believe, on his second term in Massachusetts, which is a really blue state. And I, I really like him. And they've come out and said that, um, or Johnson has come out and said, rather, that they would run the presidency like co-chairs rather than what we have always seen with the president and a, vice, and a kind of a vice president as a token figure. 
Um, and I, th- I think that is, is uh, very refreshing, uh, you know, because two heads are better than one. Why should the, bur- the entire burden be on one person? So um, did I answer the question? Yes, thank you. Okay, we'll leave it at that. All right. Well, let's uh, kick off this discussion about lying in politics. We're going to have Ken start. Uh, we're going to be talking about a... Uh, or, or at least referring to, I think, I hope that the conversation will go far beyond Monday's edition of Alternative Radio, but that featured a talk by Ari Rabin Haft, the co-author of The Fox Effect, How Roger Ailes Turned a Network into a Propaganda Machine, and also the author of Lies Incorporated, The World of Post-Truth Politics. Uh, let me give the phone number. I'm going to turn it over to Ken to introduce this topic, and, and we'll get started with this topic, and then we'll open the phone lines. But the phone number, if you'd like to write it down, is 469-0500. Ken, you suggested this topic. Do you want to just give a overview of, don't get into the topic completely, but an overview of what this show was about and fill people in who didn't hear it or get a chance to read the uh, transcript as we have? Sure. Um yeah, I happened to turn the radio on at 10 Monday morning and heard this guy talking, and it just riveted me. Um, he's, he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's a coming from the progressive camp, but he was talking, he, he wasn't uh, focusing on, you know, who says what and who does more of the job, but he's talking about how this is a corrupting influence on the whole political party. Uh, process, uh, you know, on democracy, uh, and he says it's it's so endemic in our system. And number one, because of the money, uh, he did mention, you know, how half of a half of every congressman, U.S. congressman's day is usually spent raising money for the next election. The amount of money that it takes to run an election is huge, and uh, he said. When they're there, they have they have phone phone booths where they go and make calls. They're after two thousand dollar and up checks, but it uh, it's 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 all part of the process. And and the fact the the lying is uh, the thing that really struck me is how even when the fact checking uh, systems are working and and. Um, and there are, you know, people calling, um, you know, the media. There's a, occasionally there are times, and apparently the media is getting better at using fast fact checking and and calling people on their lies. Uh, once they're once they're spoken, once they have a platform, and the media broadcasts and rebroadcasts the lies, especially when they get repeated the public doesn't seem to notice or care that they're, they're false, and especially if they're interesting. If they're exciting liars, which happens to be a strength of Mr. Trump, um, they get more coverage because it sells newspapers and uh, and that this this process is not limited to one party or another, but it's just it's deep in the in the system. And, and that, of uh, course, those are your words. He actually, he, in this particular case, he doesn't say it's not related to one party or the other. He, all of his examples are pretty much one-sided. But correct. But uh, we're going to expand the, discu- the discussion to cover both sides. Yeah, I, 
And I, yeah, I, I, and I'm happy to say that. Be, but because it's, it's just the fact that it's so accepted. And one other thing he mentioned that caught my attention was how, you know, when, when somebody does uh, catch somebody with their pants on fire, that's big news. But nobody pays attention to how, how much it's accepted in, in our democratic system. All right, let me throw in a few other things, and then we'll open the phone lines. Uh, uh, just an excerpt that I think kind of explains the premise of this article to kick things off. Uh, he says, quote, so if you look at every single issue we faced over the Obama presidency, anything where the status quo was being adjusted, there was a moneyed interest group out there fighting to keep the status quo in place and using lies as a weapon. And he traces kind of the etiology of several of those different things, including um, at, after Sandy, the Sandy Hook shootings, uh, uh, Obama versus the NRA as Obama tried to tighten gun regulations. Uh, the, the lie they told, this is a quote, the lie they told, by the way, was that the bill that they, being the NRA, was that the bill that Barack Obama proposed would create the registration of firearms. There's nothing gun owners get more scared of than registering firearms. They said under the bill you'd have to register your weapons. Do you know what the problem was with that? Not only did the bill not say that, the bill actually made it illegal for the government to do it and put criminal penalties on any government figure who tried to register people's firearms, end quote. So that's some from his study. I also have several different things that we can talk to talk about if we get have time from PolitiFact's uh, pants on fire ratings for both of the major candidates where they have said things that have been blatantly determined to be lies. Uh, the the uh, Gary Johnson has also been rated by PolitiFact, but he doesn't have any pants on fire ratings. Those are the worst ratings, and Jill Stein is basically ignored by them. The phone number, if you would like to join this discussion, then I'm going to turn it over to the panel here in the studio, who are, again, Renee Trust, libertarian, uh, Republican-leaning libertarian, Ken Gleason, who's a Hillary Clinton supporter, a third-degree burner, Tim Wilson, and uh, Betsy Gerald from the Green Party. The number is 469-0500. And uh, I think I'm getting a signal that we actually have somebody on the line already who's been on hold for God knows how long, because we just opened the phone lines and I didn't see it flashed. But welcome to the program. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Peter. Peter? Yes, hi. Okay, hey, Peter, how are you doing? Welcome to Main Currents. What's on your mind? Well, I just, um, I'm not sure if I have a question or not, but I'm really going, I would like to vote for my heart and vote for Jill Stein, and yet I'm so concerned if I'm voting for someone other than Hillary that uh, there's more likelihood of um, the other guy, Mr. Trump, winning. I mean, that's, that's not like I'm telling someone, asking someone to tell me what to do, but it's sort of a dilemma because I, I really wanted Bernie, heart, soul, and mind, so by. Yeah. Uh, You've got a couple uh, of heads nodding in here. <laughs> well, Peter, if this is Tim Wilson. If I could offer you a couple of thoughts. Number one is uh, Real Clear Politics has polls by state, and you can see how far ahead Hillary or is in Maine. Uh, last time I looked, it was about nine points. So in Maine, if we're strongly Democratic, then it may well be a safe vote. You can use that as one, one way to look at it. Uh, the other thing is, is if you really are afraid for the top of the ticket, then there are some green candidates running in Portland and uh, also another one in 
I can't remember. There, there are there, local there, candidates. There are local the candidates out there. Out in this uh, area. So, you know, if you feel like you have to go with Hillary at the top of the ticket, then vote green in the down ticket. We have another caller waiting. Peter, did you uh, have any other thoughts you wanted to add? I think, okay, Peter's no longer with us. Uh, next caller, what's your first name? Where are you calling from? And if you have your radio on, please turn it no, off. No, I don't think I have my radio on. Okay, good. Hi, Amy. Hey, Lindy. Linda. Lindy in Southwest Harbor. <clears throat> One comment, then a question for your panel. Gary John Johnson uh, appalled me when he said, uh, what's Aleppo? I mean, to me, the crisis in Syria is the most, most important issue. And then... My my question for the panel is, I mean, uh, I really think uh, no vote for Hillary is a vote for Trump, but do the people there, especially people like yourself, Amy, believe that if Trump got in, that it would be so bad that maybe the revolution would come? I mean, uh, we all, a lot of um, activists sort of stepped back when Obama got in. We didn't approve of the drone program and a lot of other things he did. But he has come around a, a big way. Um, so do you think that if Trump gets in, that that would bring back all the activists and the revolution that we so desperately need in, that, in, in this country? Thank you, Amy, so much for having this program. And I'll take my, my answer off the air. And I, I hope everybody will address that question. Thanks for your call, Lindy. And, and I, I know you addressed that to me, and I can't address that as a representative of the station. We're a nonprofit and a non-commercial broadcaster, so we have real strict policies about what we can and can't say that go even beyond journalistic standards as far as that goes. But uh, if any of the um, panelists would like to weigh in, we've got another call waiting, so we'll try to do it briefly, and maybe we'll get back to it if we don't have more calls after that. I, I, I guess I would quote Dr. Stein when she says that, that Yes, she would lose sleep at night if Trump got elected, but she'd lose sleep at night if Hillary got elected because Trump says terrible things, but he doesn't have any track record. He's just saying terrible things. and and But Hillary has done terrible things. She is a war profiteer herself. And so to think that voting for Hillary is in any way a vote for peace is just um, delusional, I'm afraid. That was Betsy Gerald. Anybody else quickly? Ken Gleason, well, I guess I'm uh, delusional uh, because I I don't see her as a as you know I I, I don't think that's true. I think uh, Hillary is very reasoned in what she does, and I think there is a you know this is gets into my uh, Republican leaning thing. There are many Republican values that I go along with, and one is that we should operate out of strength, and. Uh, I think the wonderful thing about our military, which I think is an excellent military, is most of the time we haven't had to use it. And uh, to me, that's, uh, that's a great path towards peace. We've got two calls waiting. At some point, I think we're going to get back to the discussion of lying in politics or started. I don't think we actually got it started. So if you want to work uh, any comments in there as you get a chance, go ahead, caller. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Welcome to Maine Currents. Hi, Amy. I think you're speaking to me. It's Val. Yes, Val. Welcome. Hi. Oh, so I just want to put out there that I can't look at any of this but through the lens of race, and I'm not hearing that put in there. And so... And we should mention that Val is the former host of Ism Prism here on WERU. And so everything that Trump does and is to me through is, um, it's like... Um, 
throwing red meat. It's like reconstruction to white fear and greed, which I don't think are the same thing. I think greed is a, a whole group of folks onto themselves, but they manipulate white fear. And when you're talking about war, it is already war on the streets of America because black and brown people are being killed. And I think it, and there, and I think it's the same energy that happened after Reconstruction. And what I'm saying is, there was is some level of rage that could could not accept that a black man with a black family got in a white house. And it was the same way after Reconstruction. It was like, okay, it's time to put them back in their place. And so. I'm saying to your guests, or asking your guests, um, it's a, it's almost a luxury to vote for some for some of the uh, for the blue candidate, and um, I mean for the green candidate and and libertarian candidate. But as as a person of color, I have to be pragmatic, and voting is is for survival. And I think um, people of color, blacks in particular. I think, as a group, vote pragmatically. So, anyway, that's all I got to say. Thanks for calling, Val. I think Betsy wants to weigh in on that. We've got another phone call. Yeah, Val, and and I and I hear you, and I have had that um, said to me that that I'm feeling comfortable voting for Dr. Stein because I am a you know I'm a rich old white woman, and 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 I take that to heart and I listen to it and and when it was being said to me the most, I happened to be out in Albuquerque at a community organizers event where um, basically I was the only person in the room with blue eyes and a lot of those people you know so I started asking my friends my other community organizer friends there you know what is am I just being blind is it just my white privilege and they were and they reassured me that it that no that this is voting for for Dr. Stein is truly the revolutionary vote that needs to happen and and I have to also remind folks that the Stein Baraka Ticket is the only the only ticket uh, on offer that has that has a, a person of color on the ticket. So I, I hear what you're saying, Val, and I've heard it a lot before, and I and I've and I've struggled with it. But I, I think I can in good conscience say that I don't think that I'm just voting my white privilege by voting for, for Dr. Stein. Yeah, and i got to weigh in here, too. This, this, is is, this is Renee Trust, the libertarian. Um, you know, maybe I'm colorblind here, but why are we bringing race into this? I don't see white rage, and I can't stand the characterization of white rage. Every human being has emotions. I mean, why do we have to characterize things like that? To me, race is not in, involved in this at all until people bring it in. I don't, I don't even understand why he's talking about this. Uh, we can't get into a long discussion of every single one of the callers. We won't get to the next callers, but if you, uh, anybody else has a brief uh, comment you want to make before you move on, we've got somebody waiting on hold. Um, well, quickly, it's Tim Wilson. Uh, <clears throat> first off, I think that thank God for cell phones because uh, now we have video and none of us uh, understands what it's like to be black in this country and get pulled over, um, that we cannot speak to that. Uh, and, and, and it's shocking what we've seen, and the, the uh, need for justice is uh, immense. It's not even, you know, uh, I mean, I have to say I'm appalled at, at what I've seen. Uh, the other thing is, I think, but it illustrates that what we've, what we're, what's happening is we're, we've entered what I call a new age. It's an age of transparency. And 
everyone can see everything now. So whether you're lying on camera, if you lie on camera, that's going to be around on YouTube for years. If you shoot a black person for absolutely no reason. I saw a video this morning from Oklahoma where this guy is a pastor, and he got pulled over, was shot in the back. And there were four officers present. It was all on a dash cam. Um, they said they found PCP in his car. It's an easy thing to frame somebody for. I mean, it's just, you know, I, uh, you know, and, and one last thing is that I saw Oprah once, and this is what really shocked me, is that she asked a white woman, how often do you think about your race? And she said, well, practically, practically never. And she asked a, a black woman, how, do you, how often do you think about your race? And she said, 75% of the time. So we're all sitting around here, white people. We can't, the lens through which a black person views America, I can't even imagine. I tried. Or any person of color. I mean, we're looking right. at issues yes, of any person of color, nation as to, well. To Val's point. We do need to move on to take another call, though. We um, I, and, and clearly, any of these issues that people are raising, we could do an entire hour-long discussion of, especially with four guests in the studio. But we uh, need to move to the next caller. Go ahead, caller. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Frank from Lemoyne. Hey, Frank. And uh, it's too bad that Bernie didn't have the Schwans to stand up. I mean, when a push came to shove, and I was a Bernie supporter, but you, if you believe in something, you got to take it to your dead. And he didn't take it to his dead. So I wouldn't be a Bernie supporter any longer. Because when he folded at the end, he had a chance to hop on with Jill Stein, who's the only candidate out there, and that in my mind, who's not a really a politician yet. Bernie's a politician, always has been for years. And I was a Bernie supporter. And, I mean, I could go on, and, and whoever, the fellow just bought the TV, that was a mistake. I mean, TV's for entertainment, not for news, and for the weather, and the local news. And and I, and I shouldn't comment on somebody that's in the room, but what the fellow just said about looking at the world from the white, through, through a white spectrum, we're all white. I mean, I'm not all of us, but I mean, I am. And everybody in that room, and the woman that's commented on Val said, "Why is he bringing race into it?" I mean, I mean, come on! I mean, he's bringing race into it. He's a big, heavy-set black gay guy. That's why he's bringing the race into it. But he has to live that all the time, all the time. We're white people. We don't live with nothing except privilege. Come to it, libertarians. <laughs> all right. Thank you for your call, Frank. <laughs> Again, the phone number, we have time for a few more calls, is 469-0500, and we're going to try to talk about lying in politics, uh, I think. Do you want to talk about something else? Well, I wanted to respond to, uh, as the guy this who got Ken the TV, for better or worse, um, and maybe it's rotting my brain already. Uh, just, I just want to say, you know, I am totally behind Bernie and behind, you know, he's not abandoning his principles. He knows that in politics you win them and you lose them. And what matters is you get up and you keep going for the best option you can. And again, he accomplished huge things to get the platform changed. Okay. With 15, less than 15 minutes left to the program, uh, I don't think we have anybody waiting on hold. Okay, great. So let's get back to this article so that we at least didn't set it up and leave it nowhere. You all wanted to talk about lies in politics and this article points out one thing that kind of applies everywhere, which is basically lies, no matter who is saying them, are protected under the First Amendment with some 
limited exceptions. If you lie about something that you uh, commit fraud, for instance, basically, unless money's involved, for the most part, you can say whatever you want to say and it's protected. So there aren't laws. Is there something that can and should be done to address lying in politics? And what about this phenomenon that just demonstrates that even when lies have been thoroughly fact-checked and, and uh, exposed for being lies, a large percentage of people seem to not care, and it just takes on a life of its own. Discuss. Okay. You know, I'm thinking that, um, that uh, lying in politics is nothing new. It's been right. going on for a long time. I'm also thinking that um, it's totally nonpartisan. Or all partisan. Multi-partisan. It happens across the spectrum. And I think when lying in politics became acceptable, it is when um, Bill Clinton lied under oath. On a totally different note, I was listening to an, <laughs> to a radio, this is Betsy Gerald, and I was listening to a radio program, I think it was a Diane Rehm program, talking about the debates. <gasps> Sorry. That's okay. Just kidding. Um, talking about the debates and how the moderator of the debate has said he will not fact check the candidates as they are standing on that stage lying through their teeth, which they both do almost, I mean, they're almost pathological at this point. And, and, but the, the media person who is supposedly moderating the debates refuses to be the, a fact checker. And that is how these lies get out there and just, you know, develop lives of their own and grow and grow and grow. And so that you cannot, you know, someone will say, well, I know that that's true because I've heard it so right. many times People on Facebook. It. Exactly. Exactly. So if the media is not and pub present company accepted, of course, um, if the media is not going to do their job and fact check these liars, then then how are the American people supposed to, to figure it out? But they are fact checking it in some cases, and it's not making in a some difference. Cases. Mm-hmm. Let's take a call real quick. Go ahead, uh, caller. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Welcome, Welcome to Maine Currents, and please turn your radio off if you have it on. Nemo? Nemo. Nemo and Stu Ben. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you. Uh, I just thought, uh, first of all, I'm a man of conscience, but I'm a realist. I realize that voting my conscience uh, with one of the third parties is going to give us another LePage, the way Elliot Cutler split the vote and gave us LePage. It's a little bit like uh, the old story of the soldier who jumps into a foxhole and says to the guy in it, this is the worst mess I've ever seen. It stinks. It's this... And the guy, the resident, says, we'll find another foxhole then. We're in the same position. It's Hillary or uh, Trump. I don't want to see Trump, but if I voted my conscience, I'd be helping Trump. The way Elliot Cutler put uh, LePage in office. Thank you very much, and have a nice day. All right. Thank you for your call, Nemo. Uh, So my question to Nemo would be, so when? When? You wouldn't do it, uh, you know... We keep being told, well, next time. We'll do it next time. You know, the, the Democratic Party um, silences their true, their progressive wing, and we're told, well, you know, just suck it up and vote for the, for the lesser evil, and, and, and we'll do something about it next time. We'll do something about it next time. So I'm asking you, when? When is next time? This is the time to vote your conscience, to say to the powers that be, we will not be silenced and we will not 
um, we will not let Bernie's revolution die. The, the Bernie's revolution has moved into the Jill Stein campaign, and 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 if you truly believed in in what he said and what he did, then you need to vote what for what you truly believe in. And voting for the lesser evil instead of the greater good is still voting for evil. Ken, Ken Gleason. Well, I'm kind of repeating myself, but. Um, I think there has been a change. I think, again, Ver Bernie has had a huge effect on the Democratic Party. Am I the only one that read the platform and saw those things in there? And also, Bernie hasn't abandoned his principles. He still sees voting for the Democratic Party as the best way long-term to further his values. And I think there is a change underway right now. Well, I want to bring this back, if we can, in the last few minutes to this uh, post-truth politics question and just have a few more minutes to discuss this. Hillary Clinton's scorecard on PolitiFact, which is just one that I picked, they're uh, nonpartisan, uh, get criticized equally by both sides. Uh, her pants on fire rating is 2% of her statements have been pants on fire, which is their worst rating. Uh, she has said they give some examples that she said that she's the only candidate that ran in either the Democratic or the Republican primary who said from the beginning that she won't raise taxes on the middle class. And there were actually um, several GOP candidates that made, this, made the same pledge. Uh, she said that the FBI director said her answers were truthful and that what she said was consistent with what she told the American people regarding her email server. PolitiFact calls that cherry picking to the extreme and says that the uh, FBI director actually said that he had no basis to conclude that she lied to the FBI and in another interview before at a congressional hearing said that, quote, that's not a question I'm qualified to uh, answer. One that just seems like not a misinterpretation, but it's just outright fabrication is her quote about her trip to Bosnia in 1996, mm -hmm. where she talks about remembering landing under sniper fire. And then uh, she made the statement back in 2008 about that. So it's a while ago, but this happened in 96. And the video shows that she was welcomed on the tarmac with no snipers. Um, and when she was asked about that, she retracted them, uh, saying that she misspoke. That's what we were joking about, the word <laughs> misspoke earlier today, saying that she'd been told that there was a threat of um, sniper fire in the area. She, however, and there are others. I mean, there are several. I'm handpicking here. Uh, she, there are six statements that PolitiFact rates her pants on fire. There are 47 that they rate Donald Trump pants on fire, including saying that Hillary Clinton has no child care plan when it's right there on her website, uh, saying that she hasn't answered a single question about her immigration plan, which she has also given several interviews regarding how she would do that. And then finally, and this is the one that seems like the most blatant of the ones that I found. Uh, he said, Barack Obama founded ISIS. I would say the co-founder would be crooked Hillary Clinton. Said that in August this year. Uh, PolitiFact said that uh, he was asked about this. He'd been making these comments for several months. And in an interview with Republican radio host Hugh Hewitt, he said um, Hewitt tried to propose a more cautious interpretation of that insertion, saying, you know, maybe what you really mean is that Obama and Clinton created a vacuum in the region and thus lost the peace to ISIS. And Trump responded, no, I mean, he is the founder of ISIS. I do. He was the most valuable player. I give him the most valuable player award. I give her too, by the way, Hillary Clinton and Hewitt, the conservative radio host pushed back saying, but he's not sympathetic to them. He hates them. He's trying to kill them. And Trump dismissed that again, saying, I don't care. He was the founder. The way he got out of Iraq was 
that was the founding of ISIS, okay, end quote. So in the last couple of minutes, maybe we can do a go-round. We don't have time for any more calls, unfortunately, but maybe just a final comment from each of you as we wrap up one minute with um, if you think that, how much you think this affects politics, and if you have any thoughts about what we need to do, if there's some path out of here where from post-truth politics. Well, one of the great ways out of here is to get the money out of politics and so that, that the folks aren't doing the $2,000. Betsy Gerald. I'm sorry. $2,000 a minute calls um, to, to, to corporate donors and rich donors so that, they're, so that the, our politicians are only hearing like one side of the story. And, and the, other, the other thing I'd like to point out that wasn't pointed out in this article is that the Nader lie has grown a life of its own, that, that the, the fact that, that Nader took the uh, election away from Gore has been disproven and, and over and over and over again, and yet it, it seems to live on. And, and that just proves that if a lie is said often enough, it becomes the truth. Tim Wilson. Um, yes, well, I think we're culpable in this, that uh, the one way to get out of it is to vote for the least liar. Uh, the <laughs> use the power of your vote. There's a bumper sticker, vote for the least liar. <laughs> <laughs> the lesser liar. Um, but the other thing is, is that the, the first one to lie has the initiative. And, uh, you know, I think you, you can go all the way back to Machiavelli. He said that, uh, you know, people that uh, with the vested interests, the people who have the most to lose, are much more committed earlier in a campaign than people who are opposing them. There's much more support uh, for the status quo. So the people in the status quo will lie as long as there's no penalty. They, that sets the agenda. And then, uh, so, uh, and then the other thing is that uh, with the, no matter what the outcome of this election, if it's one of the major party candidates, I think you have people in the streets, it's going to galvanize who's ever against them. Mm. Ken Gleason. Simply give more attention to this topic. All right. That was quick. And Renee, you yeah. get the last uh, yeah, okay. point well, here, Renee um, Trust. Yeah, when I look at a candidate, um, I'm looking at what is their motive for running? Why do they want to serve? And, and, I'm, and I'm expecting them to want to serve. But, I, but I, what I see out there is not everybody wants to serve anyone other than themselves. And those are our liars. So um, I think people have to really, you know, use, use a, a yardstick in measuring who they're going to, who's going to be worthy, worthy of their vote rather than just, you know, casting the vote. And if somebody has lied in the past, you can bet they're not honest in the, in the future. That's it. And that's all we have time for. Thank you all very much. Uh, you've been listening to Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. I'm Amy Brown. I'd like to thank our multipartisan panel of guests, Betsy Garrow from the Green Party, Renee Trust, Libertarian. Dave Gulia was not with us this week, our Trump supporter. We hope he'll be with us again in two weeks when we meet again. Ken Gleason, who's a Hillary Clinton supporter, and Tim Wilson, who third-degree burner, who is now leaning toward or supporting Jill Stein. Joel Mann engineered today's program. We'd like to also thank everyone who called in. If you'd like a sneak peek behind the scenes of these multi-partisan roundtables, check out the new article, and there's also a picture, up on the WERU website about... Next week on Maine Currents, we'll be revisiting the question one on Maine's ballot this November with some guests who oppose the measure that would legalize and regulate marijuana. So join us then and every Wednesday for Maine Currents. And keep it tuned here to WERU. We've got Democracy Now! coming up next. And then Jazz Straight Ahead here on WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org.
Support for WERU comes from Maine Farmland Trust, a member-supported nonprofit organization focused on reviving the working landscape and securing a future for farming in Maine. More information on protecting farmland and supporting farmers at mainefarmlandtrust.org. This is Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill and 99.9 Bangor. Let's take a look at the National Weather Service forecast for the greater Bangor, Michigan.